personally borderline here and I am doing another recording because why not? And today's topic is going to be therapy. I kind of um, uploaded these out of order. Um, or not uploaded them, I recorded them out of order, so I need to remember in what order I would like to post them. But, aside from that, we're good. So today's topic is going to be therapy, and that's going to be the title of this podcast, probably. So, strap in. Alrighty, how's it going? Um, I have a couple notes for my therapy. Here it is. So my journey with therapy, which was supposed to be my first segment, I recorded that video first and it went from being like a five minute tidbit, five, ten minute tidbit to how long is it now? A whole episode. It's a whole 27 minutes. So I had to, um, had to not cut that down, but make it its own thing, which is perfectly fine. So what's next? What I was supposed to talk about next, which I'm going to talk about now, is how is therapy helpful? And it's helpful in so many different ways. So first of all, your therapist is not your friend. And sometimes this is what's scary about therapy. Some people find this is what's great about therapy. Um, Some people think that um, this is what is wrong with therapy. Um, But basically, you are paying someone or you're hiring their services, however you're compensating them, to sit with you and give you a space to vent, not only to a room or a wall or an inanimate object, which you can do for free. I have many journals, many notebooks, many diaries, Um, but you're basically paying for their expertise from school and also from life, and to give you an unbiased opinion. Um, A, no one can give themselves an unbiased opinion. Therapists can't even give themselves unbiased opinions because no matter how much you try and empathize with someone else, you cannot 100% remove yourself, not only from a situation, but remove yourself from your past experience. So if you have a history where everyone in your family and all your friends have always lied to you and manipulated you and you have this new friend who means well, but they do one small thing and they tell one small white lie and you're flying off the handle um, and any other person is, could recognize that someone made a mistake, even if you can see it from their point of view and say, you know what, they were just trying to save my feelings or you know what, they just didn't want to talk to me that day, you still can't. Forget your past years of all the baggage that you're bringing with you into that friendship. So what's good about therapy is that you now have an unbiased opinion to say, hey, you're a little much. Or hey, everything you're doing is valid. Everything you're feeling is rational. And um, you just need to decide whether you want to stick to your guns and keep feeling this way or whether you want to curb your behavior because another kind of outcome is what you're looking for. So that's how it's helpful. It's nice to have someone who's not in your head and thus can pull you out of your head and help you see a situation from a different perspective, especially if you're not as self-aware and you don't have that skill. Um, Therapists have the added, um, they have resources. So if you need medications, if you need external treatments, all these kinds of things, sometimes the internet can be really daunting because you don't know what's facts and what's not facts and what's vetted and what's not vetted. And as much as it's nice to try things on your own and do new new things and try new restaurants and go to new parks, what's not as fun is 
navigating medicines on your own or navigating treatment plans on your own or navigating um, self-help things or different uh, inpatient places. So therapists are great because they have their own list of um, buildings and medications and treatments that they like um, for their patients. And because they have many patients and they probably had patients like you, they can say out of the 15 patients I've had like you, they've all been on this one thing and it's always worked. So let's do that first. And then if it doesn't work, we'll try something else. Um, because they have so many patients, they have really good coping mechanisms. So if you just say, hey, doctor, whomever, every time I have a panic attack, it's so intense, I can't stop crying, I can't stop shaking, it takes hours to calm down. Now, if I'm in tight spaces, they come up. If I feel a little clammy, they come up. How do I navigate this? And the internet, again, can be really daunting because everyone has things that work for them. And sometimes you don't have all the time to try everything that works for other people. You need to either be in a panic attack constantly or you just need to spend the rest of your life trying calming methods. And that's not feasible, you wanna live your life. So therapists are great because they can say, these are the five, six things that I recommend to everyone and they seem to always work. Yes. So next up, we have how to access therapy. Because um, a lot of people wonder, you know, all right, I want a therapist. I think this is good for me. How do I go about acquiring one? And there's a lot of different answers to this question. And one thing you also need to note is whether you're a dependent or whether you are an adult or an emancipated and whether you have control over your health care and your funding and everything. So I am going to give this as a perspective is just any regular person. And then the, in the next step segment, I'm going to talk about how to access therapy when you have, you're dependent on someone and um, their money and their resources. So... The, the unfortunate thing is that therapy is not um, publicly funded in most countries, in the majority of countries, even countries that have public health care. Um, it's generally something that you need to acquire. It depends on your therapist. So the difference is psychiatrists are doctors, PhDs, medical doctors. They can prescribe um, medicines. And because they can prescribe medicines, most, if not all, countries that have a central public health care plan will, um, will cover them um, because they can prescribe medications. And a medication means you have like a, a, a concrete illness. Whereas psychologists, therapists, um, these kinds of people who you just kind of listen to and it's only talk therapy and, you know, they might refer you to someone who can put you on meds, but they can't put you on meds themselves. They aren't covered because, you know, anyone can go to talk therapy. Not anyone can get a prescription for bipolar because not everyone is bipolar where they need medicine, but anyone can benefit from therapy. And the thought process, I suppose, is that um, if we open the money, like money up for public funding for therapy, there'd be no money for anything else. Although mental health is one of the most rising and leading causes of just um, illnesses coming out. And mental health also affects middle physical health, so poor unchecked mental health can screw you over. Anyway, um, so you can also see if there is a psychologist that takes 
public insurance. The problem is psychiatrists are few and far between because the money's not great because it's publicly funded. Um, and where they are, they're usually attached to hospitals or you need a referral to go to them and you will need to wait years unless you literally just had a breakdown and you did something so severe that you're checked into a hospital and you're sent to a psychiatrist right away because they think you need meds. And this is a really bad thing because some people have bipolar, manic depression, OCD, things that they need medications to, um, to quell and to subside, but they're not to the point where they're waking up in a park bench every other day because they don't have fugue states or they don't think that it's opposite day and get naked in the streets or they don't think that it's okay to go to your ex's house three times a week and look through their windows and write them letters and creepily slide them under their door. Um, and that's good that they're not partaking in these risky behaviors, but it's unfortunate that you need to get to a, that point where you're seen as quote-unquote crazy before people finally take you seriously and finally say, hey, this person might need help. And any point before that, people kind of look at you and they say, mm, you're making it up. You, you, you know, you can control your impulses. How is it that you're telling me that you can't stop texting so-and-so, but like you tell me you love cake and you resisted the urge to eat that slice of cake yesterday? People make the worst analogies, the worst assumptions, the worst reaches. So public funded psychiatry. Also, because psychiatrists are so few and far between, you generally don't really get one as like a regular therapist. You go maybe like once every couple months, tell them how you are in your meds. Maybe just give them a general overview of your symptoms because they're the ones who can diagnose. And then other than that, you need to find a separate therapist. So either way, you're, you're technically still kind of always paying money when it comes to mental health. And hopefully this changes sometimes soon, but it, it probably won't, which is also sad. Very sad. So you ask, personally borderline, Sabrina, what are my other options? Well, if you are lucky enough to have a employer that is with an, that prioritizes mental health or is with an insurance company that prioritizes mental health, you might have a pretty sizable um, insurance, what is it, allocation, breath, whatever, um, availability of funds to pay for mental health services. Um, so usually people get, I don't know, between a grand, no, between like $500 to $5,000. I think like a grand, two grand is about standard. Um, and depending on how many years a therapist has, a psychologist, a social worker has, um, you know, if they're right out of school, how many patients they've had, how busy they are, you can run between I think you can get like really, really cheap services from like $80 if you go to like students who are still in school, which might be easier for people who are in their teens or also in university or in school age, maybe a couple of years younger. But if you're like 45, you might not want to talk to a fresh-faced 20-year-old about how your marriage is falling apart because how are they supposed to relate to marriage that's falling apart when their longest relationship is like five months? Anyway, um but you can get really cheap rates if you're willing to be a guinea pig of sorts in the sense that you're helping, you're not paying as much because what they're getting out of you is your time. You're getting their time, but they're getting your time because they're learning the tricks of the trade and the job. Um, 
for people who are professional and already graduated, you can, I'd say, run anywhere from 1120 one to a reasonable amount, 200, 230, 200, 220. Um, so anywhere in that range. And then each time you go to an appointment and then you put through the insurance claim, however much money it is, it gets taken out of your insurance allocation until you deplete it. So you might have enough depending on your price point and your insurance for five sessions, 10 sessions, maybe 15 if you're lucky. But that's for the whole billing period, the whole year. Um, and then it renews every year for the most part. Some people's plans might be a little different. You got to talk it up with your insurance. Um, and... You know, you got to also talk to the therapist because not every therapist takes every kind of insurance. And that's a very personal thing. But look into your insurance. Um, insurance cl plans also usually have just like an extras fund where they have between like $100 and a grand, uh, $1,000. That's just kind of laying around and you can apply it each year to just any other section. So dental, if you have really bad dental work or really big dental work that you need to get done, you can apply that money. Same thing for mental health services, glasses. So if you like really need that extra appointment and you can't afford it, remember that that spare money is there. Um, so now you're asking me, what if I don't have a job? Or what happens after I, um, I go through those 15 appointments? You know what? I just want to say as a rule of thumb, if you have 12 appointments, I would, like if you're able to fit in 12 appointments, I think you're golden. Um, because you, um, you can go at least once a month. So, and I have tips for that as well, which I need to touch on at some point. I'm like talking and I'm going and anyway, so 12 to 15 is good, good, more than 12, 12 to maybe, I don't want to say 20, 20 is a lot. 15 is like a lot, a lot. 12 to 15 is good because when you first start going, you might want to go like once a week for a month so that your therapist gets to know you um, because an hour a month is not enough for them to learn your life story. But once they get to know who you are and figure out who you are, um, it's very nice to, um, it's nice if you can do once a month because things may seem big to you, but it's nice to kind of have that perspective and be able to look back on something and say, oh, that wasn't really that important a couple days later. And then A, you're not wasting time in therapy. And um, B, most people's lives aren't really that interesting. So you don't need to go once a week once they get familiar with you. And honestly, I'm getting spacey because I'm still working out these like segments, these five minute segments or whatever. And I'm just trying to always wrap up my thoughts in the time frame. Alrighty. So yes, insurance is a beautiful thing a beautiful thing um i realized i could have gone for another 10 seconds anyway 15 so 20 50 20 40 anyway so yes insurance is a beautiful thing um if you know how to use it right um what else what else what else so now you're saying what happens if i run out of my insurance and you run out of your um emergency insurance most good psychologists, well, there's a difference. If you're going to a psychiatrist, say, because you're going through a really bad breakup, you don't have a history of mental illness, you don't have a mental illness, or someone's dying, or someone's sick, you know, and you have 
you know, 10 to 15 appointments, 10 to 12 appointments, you might not be, like your grief might not be cured. It might be long-term grief, but that might just be the only thing. And you might walk out of it with the coping mechanisms you need. And maybe you can just scrounge up another couple hundred dollars in a couple months and go for like one more follow-up appointment and then say, thanks, doctor, whomever. Thanks for fixing my life. Um, but if you don't, if you have an actual prolonged illness and you need to keep going, you need to get those refills, um, you need to work through problems as they come because your mental illness affects everything in your life, um, a therapist will recognize that. And if you talk to them, you say, I'm a, I'm a student, I only work part-time, or I'm this or I'm that, a lot of them are willing to work out a payment plan with you where they will discount their services to maybe $100 a session, $200 a session, $150 a session, um, and they'll help you. They might say, like, come once every two months. They might say, listen, come once every two months, $100 a session, just get $100 a session, and text me three times a month. You know, block paragraph, tell me your life, and I'll text back. Or, you know, text me once a month, or leave me a voicemail um, a couple times, and I'll leave you a voicemail back, and then, you know, we'll, we'll take it as it goes. Most, a lot of... Therapy. There's not a lot of money in therapy. I mean, some people have power complexes and everything, but a lot of therapists, they want to help people. And they're not doing it for the money because there's not a lot of money in it. So they will try and help you because that's their number one motivator. What if you say, well, my therapist isn't willing to do that and I can't find a new one because I don't even have the money to find a new one to ask, you know, can we, can we prorate this? Websites are great. And I feel like this should be a video or a segment on its own, but websites are amazing. Um, some, of, some of the great ones are Kids Help Phone, 100% would recommend. I've called them a couple times because um, I'm going through stuff, but I was going through some stuff real deep. And I was alone at home and I felt overwhelmed and I called them and they talked me down. And, you know, there's once when I called them and I had a purpose, and I said, you know, this is how I'm feeling, and they helped me cope. And there was once when I called them, and I was literally just like, I need someone to talk to. I'm home alone. I There's so many thoughts in my head. I'm not starting therapy soon. It was when I finally booked a therapy appointment, and I was still in the throes of what was going on. And she was just like, all right, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I need you to talk to me about something. And you know, we talked about dogs, we talked about life, we talked about the sky, um, and they're so helpful. And they have this new thing from, I think it's Wednesday through Sunday, after like 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can go online and they have chat rooms and you can chat. So if you can't be on the phone for some reason, you can like text them. And then if or it's like an IM, like instant messaging. And if someone in your family is like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm just, I'm doing homework. Don't worry about it. Shh, don't worry about it. Doing homework, but really, you're like, kids help phone. My parents suck. Honestly, kids help phone. Invaluable resource. Invaluable resource. Um, all those phone numbers that pop up on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook. One day, just save a post. It has the master list. Also, look them up. You know, suicide hotlines, depression hotlines, trauma hotlines. Call one of them. Go on their. Go on the organization's website. Maybe they have a chat function. Um, it's not going to replace good old person to person. I have your rap sheet therapy, but it is helpful in a pinch until you, you figure it out. You know, it's, it's really helpful. 
Um, so definitely use those online resources. And so next question, what do I do if I'm a dependent and uh, my parents won't pay or I need to ask them or whatnot? So right out of the bat, if you're unsure about how, what your parents are going to say or they've already said no and or you don't want to ask them yet, but you're really struggling, again, use those websites, use those hotlines. Kids Help Home is amazing. Even if you're, I think Kids Help Home goes up to 21 years of age. I would even feel inclined to say if you're like 22, 23, you're teetering on that line and you're doing the chat function, just say you're 21. Um, I know they're supposed to be helping kids. We're all kids at heart. And I feel like, um, I don't know, just do what you need to do so that you don't harm yourself or others or make your situation worse. I don't want to endorse lying to a non-profit, but do what you need to do for you. Also, um, again, those hotlines, very, very um, helpful. And if you can ask your parents, ask them. Again, if you ask your parents and they say yes, and then you're like, oh, what do I do? Then the first couple clips are for you. If you don't know how to ask your parents, some great advice is start with a friend or even a made-up friend. Be like, I was at school today. And so-and-so's in my class. You've heard of so-and-so before. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you never listen to me. Well, so-and-so's in my class. And she was talking about how she just feels overwhelmed. You know, maybe don't start in with, um, I'm depressed and anxious and my life sucks. And I want to kill myself. Because a lot of parents are opposed to therapy for many reasons. Some of them cultural. Some of it, a lot of it's because they don't understand, especially if they're older. They grew up in a generation where, you know, life just kind of sucked because there wasn't technology. There wasn't a lot of things and there wasn't a lot of representation of mental illness so people just had to mask things or people who were too ill to mask it got sent away and you were just kind of told pull yourself up by the bootstraps and figure it out so they really might not understand but a lot of the times when kids say I'm depressed or I'm unhappy and I don't know why parents feel like they're failing because it's one thing if it's like I want an xbox your parents will say well you can work for one or they'll buy you one but if you're literally like I fundamentally am unhappy and I don't feel like living and I don't know why I'm so sad and I cry all the time and no one likes me. Parents feel like they failed you. They feel like they failed giving you everything you needed as you grew up. They feel like they they're, they failed raising you, raising your personality. Like, what do you mean you can't find friends? I, like, you're, you're so social. You're doing so well because they want to know that you're doing well. A, because they care about you, they love you, but also because it validates them as parents. And when your kids aren't doing well, it, it, they feel like they did something wrong. So have a little bit of compassion. Don't let your parents make it about them. Sometimes you need to say, you know, mom, dad, this isn't about you. Stop yelling. Stop crying. Stop making excuses. These aren't your excuses to make. This is a deadly illness. You'd rather me be in therapy than kill myself. But you don't even need to let it escalate to that because you can just say, Sandra said she, especially school, just say, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed with school. Um, or say there's a lot of bullying going on, not necessarily with me, but I'm trying to process it. And this one girl, Sandra, was talking about how she got a therapist, and I just think it's, you know, I think it's something that I want to try. I think I'm interested in it. Or you can take an approach and say, Sandra's, Sandra's in therapy. Have you ever heard of this kind of therapy? Like, what do you think about it? Or Betty in this class, she's talking about how she's just diagnosed with bipolar, and she takes these medications, and... I mean, I don't think I'm that intense, but she talks about therapy, and therapy just sounds really calming. Um, and, you know, just bring it up as, like, not so much, 
I hate my life and everything in it, even if that's how you feel. Maybe that's not how you feel, then you can tell the truth. Like, you know, I just I just want to talk to someone unbiased, you know, not someone too close. Or, you know, if you hate your life, maybe just say, yeah, I want to talk to someone unbiased. I want to check it out because it seems helpful and it seems good. And we have the insurance. Um, and also tell them that a lot of insurance money goes unclaimed and now you can like stick it to the man um, by using that insurance money. And um, hopefully they'll support it that way and they'll feel less offended themselves that way. And again, if they're adamant on saying no, um, then use those websites, use those resources, save up some money maybe if you can. I know it's a lot of money, but it's worth it for your mental health. It really, 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 really is. I so this might be the outro sequence, um, but what I also want to say is when it comes to cutting down on therapy appointments, so maybe you've been going once a week, once every two weeks, and now you can only afford once a month, once every month and a half, once every two months. Um, especially if you have only enough for five or six appointments, literally once every two months. And you say, but Sabrina, personally bordering, how, how are these um, appointments supposed to be productive? What if I have so much going on in my life and I need to talk about it and I can't because I can't afford it? I just recently had to cut back on my therapy appointments um, because I can't afford them. And one thing that I'm doing is I bought a diary back before I was in therapy to work through my feelings and it was very helpful. And now I still have so many pages in it, so I'm using it and just a regular notebook will do. I'm using it and I try to jot down things about my day every night before I go to bed. And I don't, sometimes I write paragraphs and I write like a novella, but I try not to force myself to do that. And if I literally just have like, today was okay. I bullet point it, I just say today was okay. Or if I really have no nothing emotional or profound to say, just to keep in the habit of writing, I'll give like a list of things I did. Like I woke up, I had breakfast, I sat on the couch for a couple hours, I watched this important show, this person called me, I went to work for this long, now I'm in bed. Um, just to keep that habit of writing. And a night or two, depending on how much I've written, well, I write every night, but how many things have been happening in my life, a night or two before my appointment, I will sit down for a half hour hour, I'll read through every single one of my entries and um, uh, for that period since my last therapy appointment and I'll take an extra just plain sheet of printer paper, whatever, goose paper, scrap paper, recycling paper and I'll take off like specific things so maybe it happened to me in the beginning of the month and I don't remember but I read it and I do remember it and it's still something that's bothering me and because what I hate is walking out of therapy and being like oh shit or oh poop I should have talked about xyz and now I need to wait another two months so I read through the whole diary I draw down important things that happened in that whole time period and then I go to therapy with that piece of paper and I'm like these are the things I would like to talk about and it's not like I write a script I just it's like cue cards I write little jot notes so that if there's any dead space or if I'm like racking my brain and I'm like I need something but I just glance down at the paper and I'm like, oh, the beginning of the month, someone cut me off on the road and I got so angry and, you know, I, I pulled over, but I was in such a fit of rage for a half hour and I, I know I need, I need better strategies. That way I'm not driving home to therapy, not having said that. And then someone cuts me off again. and I'm like, oh, I didn't ask for the coping mechanisms. I'm going to go road rage. So if you're not going to as frequent appointments I definitely suggest keeping a diary to keep your sanity and you can get your thoughts out since you're not talking about them 
and then read through and say, okay, I want to talk about X, Y, Z, whatever, you're done. Um, I wanted to talk about therapy and diagnoses because a lot of people have just, I'm, I'm not really concerned, but um, sometimes people go to therapy with a pre, uh, a, like a, what am I going to say? Like a, they think they're something and they're not and they can't deal with being told that they're not or they think they're not something and then they are which was me in the beginning and they can't deal with being told that they are or they're told that they are something and they don't agree with it sometimes it's not completely black and white sometimes you know with me I was like I agree I'm anxious I agree I'm depressed but I feel like there's more and I went and I saw it and I found out that there's more um so I think I might do a whole diagnosis or a whole audio post on what it's like to be misdiagnosed or to not have a diagnosis when you thought you had one or to have a diagnosis when you thought you were fine um, and how to deal with that. So aside from that, I think we're pretty good. We're on the 30 minutes. I'll see you all next time.